Welcome to another episode of Glorify Treasure Spread. I'm joined today by Matt Nash, and we are going to have a conversation about something that has not happened in over 15 years of Grace Church's entire history. That is, the elders are for the first time recommending that the congregation approve a proposal from the elders to amend our church covenant. It has been exactly the same verbiage for the entirety of the church's existence. And we are now, for the first time ever, recommending that adaptation, that amendment. And we believe that it is uh, predicated on more faithfulness to Scripture and good for the souls of God's people. So that's why uh, the amendment's going to be, it is being recommended. Uh, So we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about what the covenant did say what the proposal suggests that it will soon say. And we'll talk about the why behind that, but we'll also talk about the what of practical. So if you're interested in that conversation, uh, that's what you're about to hear. And we'll talk also about timeline. Uh, The proposal has been made at the February 2022 member meeting. And the elders have already recommended that that proposal be voted upon by the congregation at the April 24th, 2022 member meeting. There's a timeline for questions and all that stuff. We'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, first off, Matt, where are we sitting and why are we sitting here? We are in a truck in a parking lot, which belongs to the place where I work, which is called Encompass Health Rehab Hospital. It is my lunch break and we are in the car. Recording this podcast. Yeah, so it is Tuesday afternoon, (laughs) March the 1st. We are in the truck in a parking lot. Uh, We intentionally squeezed it into Matt's lunch break for multiple reasons. One, our schedules were quite full this week, but also it means we have to be efficient because Matt is trying not to get fired from his job for doing a podcast (laughs) for the church. True. I make that attempt not to get fired every day. (laughs) Every day. Okay, so let's just jump right in. We have recommended as elders that the congregation approve a proposal to adjust the covenant. Let's just isolate the key phrase or phrases that the covenant currently reads, and we are recommending that it one day soon would read. So can you begin by what does the current covenant verbiage say? I can. It says, we engage... And then a few other lines. So we engage, and then here's the relevant part. We engage to be actively involved in the corporate prayer, corporate worship, and small group life of this church. Okay. That's the original current language of the covenant. Okay. Nothing about that seems controversial to me. That seems really like a bunch of good things that if I, you know, ordered my life around being involved in that type of stuff, with regularity, I would stand to eventually be blessed by the Lord. Bunch of good stuff. Couldn't agree more. So you read what the covenant does say. Now can you read the relevant phrase that we are recommending that the covenant would say? Yep. We engage, dot, 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 to be actively involved in the weekly congregational worship of this church. Okay. So now be clearly as you can. What's the change? There are really two changes. The most substantial change is that the current covenant includes the phrase small group life, that phrase small group life. And in the 
proposed reading of the covenant, that phrase is not found. So small group life has been removed from the covenant, not the church, we'll explain that in a minute, but removed in the proposal from the covenant. That's the most substantial change. Okay. There's a second part, which uh, concerns the two phrases, corporate prayer and corporate worship. The idea of corporate prayer and corporate worship in the proposal are changed to say weekly congregational worship. So we're going to get into explaining it in a minute, but that's the two changes. Small group life removed. That's number one. Number two, corporate prayer and corporate worship reworded to weekly congregational worship. Okay. Thank you. So let's just take those one at a time. And before we get into practical nitty gritty, so what is church life going to look like if this thing is approved by the congregation in April? Let's talk about the biblical motivation behind the recommended change. Let's start with small group life, and then we'll go to number two, corporate prayer, corporate worship. Right? So you're saying covenant currently says actively involved in dot, 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 small group life. The new wording does not include that. That's correct. Matt Nash must therefore necessarily believe that small groups are bad and unbiblical, and we need to get it out of the covenant as soon as possible. That's right. No, no, it's not right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought, man, this, no. com- this combo is going to take an interesting turn. Okay. No, 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 no. Um, so a lot of this hinges on the, the purpose and function of a covenant. Uh, what we are definitely not saying is that small groups are bad or will go away or aren't a wonderful means of the grace of God. I mean, all of us at this church, we have years, some of us 15 years of experience receiving the grace of God in small groups. They're wonderful and God uses them all the time. That's not why we're recommending the removal of small groups from the language of the covenant. Mm -hmm. We're not recommending the removal of small groups from the church, only from the language of the covenant. So that begs the question, what is a church covenant and why do we have one? What's it for? A church covenant is designed to be a distillation of Christian faithfulness. I should say universal Christian faithfulness. Mm -hmm. So any Christian in any place in any century should be able to read a church covenant and say, yes, this is a good faithful summary of what the Bible says I should be doing with my life. Mm -hmm. That's what a church covenant is. And a church covenant is particularly related to a single local church. That's why covenants exist. That's why we don't have a universal church covenant. We have Mm -hmm. church covenants for individual, particular, local churches. So a local church gathers around a covenant and says, we covenant together that we will, by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, live this way. Mm -hmm. And it's meant to be applicable so that any Christian could say, yes, I give my yes and amen to living that way. Now you say, are small groups like small groups, not a part of what a Christian would want to do and obeying the Lord Jesus and uh, being used of the Lord to bless his people. And we say they certainly can be, but here's where the sort of key question comes in. Is it true that small groups as we know them ought to be a requirement for all Christians everywhere as a matter of obedience or disobedience. Mm -hmm. And if the answer to that question is yes, then they belong in the covenant. Yeah. If the answer to that question is 
Well, they're good, but no, I wouldn't go so far as to say they're required for all Christians everywhere, or they're in sin against God. Then they, they probably don't belong in the covenant. And that's the basic nutshell of how the elders, uh, over really some years in conversation, came to make this proposal. Mm -hmm. So let me just give an example. If, if we consider a saint from church history uh, who was not involved in a small group, but were otherwise faithful in doing all the things you do in small groups, like uh, encouraging one another, like the Bible tells us, or bearing one another's burdens, like the Bible tells us in Galatians, or weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice, mm -hmm. like the Bible tells us in Romans 12. Mm -hmm. And all the things that happened in small groups, that Christian did them all by the grace of God. They just didn't do it in a particular form that we now call small groups. Yeah. Would that person be in sin or any kind of negligence? And of course the answer is no. So that draws out a distinction of form and function. The form that we're accustomed to and that we love and, and really seems wise to us is the way that we do small groups. But the function is all the things that happen in small groups, the encouragement, the bearing one another's burdens, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So let me give one more example to make it clear. Let's change it. Instead of saying a member from church history, someone 400 years ago, now let's consider a current member of Grace Church. Let's just make one up. Pretend his name is, let's pick a good Bible name like Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat's a member of Grace Church, and for one reason or another, he doesn't attend small groups. Maybe his work keeps him away or something like that. A lot of churches have people who are unable to leave their home yeah. for medical reasons, maybe in uh, old age, and they say they don't participate in small groups for a good reason. In that situation, you have a person who is not fulfilling one aspect of the covenant which they covenanted to fulfill. They're yeah. in disobedience to the church covenant. They're not doing what they said they would do. But are they in disobedience to the scripture? And we would say, no. Yeah. So you don't want to have a situation where you can be disobedient or breaking your church's covenant, but in no way be breaking God's law or yeah. the commands of scripture. So those examples are just meant to highlight the difference between a covenant and, and, and scripture. Let me, let me say it another way. You only want your covenant to be as specific as the scripture is specific. You only want your covenant to bind consciences yeah. with as much specificity as the Bible does. Yeah. So that's actually what I was going to say uh, after your thoughts there, that we want not to bind consciences of Christians with a covenant where the Bible does not. And we do not believe the Bible requires of Christians to be actively engaged in the small group life of their church. That's form. Now the Bible does require all the good things that small groups do exist to do, uh, that every Christian still do them. So there's the proposal from the elders on the verbiage related to the omission of small group life to be changed, uh, not to include that verbiage. That's the why. Uh, we do not believe small groups are bad. We believe God uses them abundantly. We just do not believe they're biblically incumbent upon all Christians all the time. And as elders, we don't want to impose upon people's consciences that they're in disobedience to God if they're not walking out that particular form of their Christian walk. So, okay, I'm going to segue us now to corporate prayer, corporate worship. We have, in a way, not removed. Like small group, we removed. 
in our proposal. We, we have, in a way, not removed corporate prayer, corporate worship. But the wording is a little different. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, so in the Bible, God is not silent on what ought to happen on Sunday mornings when people gather for worship. God tells us that there are some things that ought to happen, like Paul tells Timothy to give attention to the public reading of Scripture and to exhortation and to teaching. Elsewhere, Jesus says that his house shall be called a house of prayer, there's prayer, for all the nations. In Galatians, or maybe it's Ephesians, Paul tells the church to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and heavenly songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. So there are all of these different elements that we're all familiar with when we gather for worship on a Sunday that are part of what we think the Bible teaches we ought to be doing as we worship God. Prayer, preaching, singing, those are the elements under the big umbrella of the gathered church for worship. Okay, so... In our current covenant, the way it stands, what we have is one element, prayer, pulled out and specified in addition to the umbrella term, corporate worship. And so the question is, why do we have one of the elements and not the others specified? If our covenant specifies corporate prayer, shouldn't it also specify preaching and singing and the other elements of corporate worship? And it doesn't. And just on a historical note, I, I think the reason uh, that our church's covenant has always said corporate prayer and corporate worship is because for a number of years when the church was originally planted, we had a 9 a.m. prayer hour and a 10 a.m., we'll call it worship hour, where you have preaching yeah. and singing. And they weren't separate. We had one service, but there were two components. There was a break in the middle. Uh, there, was some, there, was some, there was a distinction between the two parts. And in the church covenant, we wanted to include the entire gathered worship, which at the time included a 9 a.m. prayer hour and a 10 a.m. Yeah. corporate worship hour. We wanted them both to be included as uh, what the church was covenanting together to do. A number of years ago, we changed the way the Sunday structure is participated in, such that corporate prayer, the thing, no longer occurred at an hour before, but is woven into the middle of the entire worship service. So prayer didn't go away. It got put into the middle of corporate worship. The effect is we no longer have uh, one thing, corporate worship, with two parts, a 9 a.m. and a 10 a.m. hour. So in looking at our covenant as it stands now, we have a, sort of a historical uh, bit of language from the way church, our church used to meet, 9 a.m., 10 a.m., with what is basically a, a specification of one of the elements of corporate worship and not the others. Yeah. So what we tried to do is come up with language which as faithfully as we could encapsulates the whole, the umbrella. Yeah. What is the church to be doing on Sunday morning? And if we can come up with language that incorporates all of that, which would include prayer, preaching, singing, to include all of it, language yeah. for all of it. That's what we wanted to include in the covenant. Because what we are covenanting together to do is to meet or to assemble or to gather weekly to worship God by engaging in all the elements that he's described in the scripture. Yep. Prayer, preaching, singing, yep. etc. Technically, in terms of terminology in the covenant, small group life has been omitted. Corporate prayer actually has not been. Correct. It has just been sort of amalgamated into the big biblical category of the 
ecclesia, the assembly of the saints, the congregation. That's the word we took instead of corporate. Uh, again, Matt mentioned at the members meeting, corporate's not a bad word. It's not a business term like corporate America. Uh, it means the togetherness of the people. That's, that's what we aimed at in the in the original language. But we, we took that out for the biblical flavored word of congregation, the assembled body of believers. So small group life omitted, prayer not omitted, just smushed into weekly congregational worship. That's it. So prayer is not absent from the covenant. It is subsumed under the umbrella. Yeah. Weekly congregational worship. Just like preaching, just like singing. Exactly. Just like, yeah, I mean, yeah. the church ought to be outraged if we said, we don't think preaching, that yeah. idea, should be yeah, no more anywhere preaching. included in the services, and we don't need to have it in the covenant. And we would just say, well, no, preaching is included if you use the verbiage, weekly congregational worship. That's Certainly right. preaching is one of the elements, yeah. just like prayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so very good. So there's the, there's the technical, there's the detail, there's the verbiage. That is the proposal the elders are recommending. So... As we segue to practical, Matt, I'd like for you to read one more time. What does the covenant say? What are we recommending as elders that the congregation approve that it will say come the vote in April? Originally, right now, it says we engage to be actively involved in the corporate prayer, corporate worship, and small group life of this church. The elders' recommendation to the congregation says we engage to be actively involved in the weekly congregational worship of this church. Very good. Okay, so there it is. Now I want to talk just a few minutes practically about some of the, you know, outfleshings of, so what's going to happen if come April, the congregation approves this updated verbiage. Let's just isolate our conversation to the small group issue Great. here for just a minute. I'm a little discouraged to find out that Matt, who's one of my pastors, thinks that we should do away with all the small groups of Grace Church. Why do you think that? You know, it does seem that you have a really keen ear for listening. I can tell you've been listening to everything <laughs> we've been saying this whole time. <laughs> so nothing will change in the way that the church operates small groups. Nothing at all. The only change that will be noticed is in the actual verbiage of the covenant. Yeah. Said another way, because small groups are not specified in the covenant, in no way implies that we're not free as a congregation to engage with glad hearts in small groups yeah. voraciously. And yeah. that's what we intend to continue to do in yeah. exactly the same way yeah. uh, as we have done previously. So nothing will change with small groups yeah. at all. There'll be no change uh, yeah. Yeah. as related to the covenant. To put a little teeth behind that, not only will nothing change and things continue to move forward you know, functionally as is with our small groups, a lot of people put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. We are now in our 13th volume of our Teleos Academy studies, currently in Psalms, book one, part one. We have 12 previous volumes that members of our church have lovingly labored to provide for us. And Lord willing, I think there'll be somewhere in the neighborhood of 43 to 45 total volumes covering the entire canon when all is said and done. And a lot of people... Uh, intend to give a lot of energy, time, and effort to continue to produce those. So why would they do all that if there won't be any small groups? The answer is they're doing all that precisely because there will continue to be small groups. Um, I'm going to say it a little uh, purposefully uh, raw in my question to you next. Great, great. Um, 
do we basically mean people who skip their small group need not feel guilty about that anymore? That's not at all the spirit of what we're trying to accomplish in, uh, in, in the covenant. What we're aiming to do is to try to strive for biblical fidelity in the covenant. Yep. That's what we're after. And if you embrace the spirit of our covenant, instead of trying to avoid something like small groups, yep. the spirit of the covenant would only make you want to give yourself with all your heart to something yep. like small yep. groups as a place where you yep. can be fed and be involved in feeding yep. the people in your, in your, in Good. your congregation. Because we're on borrowed time. You're on lunch break trying not to get fired. I'm going to go a little more rapid fire. Great. I'm going to say something about what you just said before my next question. I would say as a member of this church, as one of the pastors of this church, generally speaking, the people who have been most committedly involved in their small groups are representative of the people who are growing the most spiritually. That just seems, it's not a direct correlation. It's not a math formula. It's just, I think the Lord loves to bless people as they engage together in his word prayerfully with the saints. Without and, a doubt. Yeah. Without so a doubt. people are growing like a weed. You look around, oh, that person's really deeply connected to their small group. And they always are. Yep. And they're growing like a weed. Almost without fail. Yeah. Okay. So those will still be offered. People will still be designated to a particular group, or you can pick which group, however, you know, that thing goes about organizing them. All that'll still happen. Every member's name will be attached to one, whether you're part of it or not is I think between you and the Lord, whether you're obedient to all the good commands of the Bible is not negotiable mm -hmm. <laughs> about loving the saints, praying for them, encouraging them in the faith, growing together, bearing each other's burdens. Okay. So a couple more questions about small groups, and then we'll close this conversation for now. As pastors, we want to shepherd from the covenant. So I want to be held accountable to the, to the covenant commitments I made before the Lord and to these people. So, for example, uh, to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministries uh, and expenses of this church. I want somebody to hold me accountable to be regularly contributing monetarily. I want somebody to hold me accountable to pray for uh, this flock and her members, to strive to advance the gospel. And so let's say Jordan's not doing evangelism and not giving to the church at all uh, monetarily and not praying for the people. Well, I would hope a pastor would come to me and say, you know, without guilt, these were your own voluntary commitments to the Lord and to these people. How can we help you? Mm -hmm. Okay. So somebody's not going to be in a small group. You come to them as their pastor. What, what are you saying to them if they say, you know, we're just going to sit this round out? What, what would you say to them? Well, it, it depends a great deal on the, on their reasons. You know, if they have some sort of illness or something like that, then, you know, you could see a good reason. But like you said, all the things that happen in small groups are elsewhere or elsewise described in the covenant. They're all there. Um, like to strive for the, to strive for the advancement of this church and knowledge, holiness, and comfort. So if you had a person who wasn't interested in the substance of what goes on at small groups, and therefore they weren't interested in attending small groups, yeah. that would be concerning. And we want to lovingly come alongside and help them. Yeah. Um, that would be the answer I get. Yeah, sounds good. So the verbiage of the covenant proposal is because we want to allow it to shape the body life of Grace Church, but also the shepherding of the elders, because it's the spirit of the covenant that helps us care for one another. 
and you know, member to member care, not just uh, as as elders are seeking to care for one another. Well, good. I hope this conversation has been helpful. What's the timeline for getting questions in and then the vote on this proposed verbiage? Yeah, I can hit that quickly. All questions are due by April 10th. You can submit those to me by text or email. April 10th is the due date for all the questions. The actual vote is April the 24th. That's two weeks later. The vote is April the 24th. What will happen when people submit all the questions, we'll try to answer individually to you. And I'm sure people will have good questions. So what we're going to try to do for the benefit of the whole is uh, collect all those questions and make another one of these podcasts with the most useful and beneficial questions that would be good for everyone. Uh, maybe you didn't think to ask it, but you would like to know the answer to it. We'll try and get them all together and release another one of these with all those questions. Sounds good. Thank you, brother, for taking the time on lunch break. There was a FedEx plane that flew by as we were talking. <laughs> so, Jesse, if you are one of the 5,000 pilots for FedEx, if if you happen to be the one that flew at 12.52 p.m. on Tuesday, March the 1st, going south, landing at Memphis International, name thyself as guilty party. You guys are loved. Thank you for listening. God bless. Hang on just a second. Let's let the, the, it's an ambulance. Okay. There they go. Followed by a police car. We live in a broken world. It'll be fixed one day. No more ambulance. Will there be any ambulances in the new earth? Oh, there will be none. Man. That's really a cool, I don't think I've ever had that thought. So what will all the first responders do for their job? I don't know. Not that. No CPR. Jobs? Yeah, we'll work. I mean, we work pre-fall. Yeah, but like job jobs. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, will it be like that? We'll do that? another episode on that after we've given it a little more thought. It sounds like we need to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the thought okay. part. Okay. <laughs>